You're listening to the Two Bucks Podcast, the podcast for outdoor entrepreneurs. Little by little, I was getting the sense of my time isn't my time. Just kept doing this pull to the outdoors and wanting to do something in the outdoor space. Welcome to the Two Bucks Podcast, the podcast for outdoor entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Brian Krebs, and with me today is Eric Clark. Eric is the co-founder of the OKest Hunter podcast. He also is involved with Gunpowder Inc. and Base Layer Media. I'm super excited to have Eric on the podcast today because he is what we would call a veteran. Eric, how are you doing, man? Doing well, man. Appreciate it. Usually I do these things at night with bourbon, but it's uh, mid-morning, so I got coffee. Yep, I just downed my 300 milligram of caffeine energy drink, so I'm wired for the day. Nice. Yep. So, Eric, you've been all over the place, I guess is the easiest way to put it. You have uh, multiple businesses that you're involved with. You have multiple podcasts that you've been involved with. And on top of all that, I would say you're not just building a brand, you're really building a culture. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with with OK's Tunner, which is, I assume, the main platform, but then everything else you're involved with and how you got started? I think OK's Hunter is the tip of the iceberg of what most people see, and they assume it's just like this, you know, uh, hobby or this funny, gitchy brand. And it is it is meant to be a lifestyle brand to some degree, so it's definitely that, but it's also got a really strong mission that it's built upon, which is rooted in ending buck shaming and being relatable to, you know, the hunting community. I think there's a lot of folks that, not that there's anything wrong with, you know, chasing big deer. I think that's what I want to do too. But the the shame that comes with that or the guilt that you feel if you don't do that or the pressure you put on yourself, if that's not happening, it can kind of suck the fun out of it. So we're trying to really put the fun back into, into deer hunting and just poke, poke fun at that kind of stuff in a really fun way um, to try to be more inclusive. And uh, it, you know, seems to be well resonated, uh, received in the, in the marketplace, so to speak. So I'm, I, it's something that I just love to do. Uh, and then under the, <laughs> under the surface is the, the rest else. of the gigantic iceberg that I think, uh, no, most people don't have a freaking clue what's really going on back there, which is fine. Uh, that's totally okay. But it's a lot. Yeah. That's the one thing about entrepreneurship and business is everyone sees the success. They don't see the work. Right. And it's, I heard a, a Dan Pena quote on it. I don't know if you know who Dan is. He calls himself the trillion dollar man because he makes billionaires. But his quote was like, okay. you know, entre- business is like having a baby. Everyone says congrats, but nobody knows how many times you got bleep. And he's a very, prof- <laughs> a lot of profanity with his stuff. But <laughs> I was like, that is really true. Like everyone sees where you're at and they're like, that's insane you know, so successful, it must be easy, must be nice. And they don't realize people have been doing this for decades to get to where they are. Right. And just like you said, like, okay, it's Hunter's the tip, everything else you got going on, no one ever sees, but what are those things that you got going on? Yeah, it's, it's interesting to unravel it because I've technically been at it since 2013, 2012, 2013. And, uh, you know, when you're at it that long, things change form and shape and and take new shape and form as you adapt and overcome and and you learn through all that stuff. So, you know, it, it seems like, wow, that's such a, you know, well, what a great logo or what a great message. Yeah, but it took like over 10 years to get to this. So now that my, I have my, my thousand, my thousands up, up to bat, like it's different this time around. I've put in the reps. Um, 
and I'm still just getting started. There's still so much I don't know. And my day job at Gunpowder teaches me that every day about how much I don't know and how smart some of these people are that are really doing it at a, at a true, true uh, big level, like working with literally the biggest brand in, in, in hunting uh, in, in the outdoors in some cases and seeing how they do it. I'm like, wow, I still am, I am nowhere near where I think I can go. And it's a, it's a big challenge. But like as you climb a mountain, you acclimate. So if you spend two weeks at base camp, you know, what was once hard on day one is now a little bit easier. And then you do it again and again and again and again. And the, har the higher you climb, the harder it gets, but also the easier it gets because you're conditioning yourself. So, you know, what once felt really, really hard is easier now to do some of those things. But where I'm at now, it's still just as hard <laughs> because I'm breaking new ground. So under the, you know, the, the water underneath the tip of the iceberg, um, OKS Hunter is actually... Uh, a DBA, it's doing business as base layer media. And the real entity is base layer media. And, you know, base layer media is a, is a marketing and media company. So we actually like, okay, as Hunter is our client, essentially, and it's our exemplar. It's the one that says, here's a lot of what we can do, uh, whether that's creative production, um, you know, ad, ad spend and like actually doing media buying, um, graphic design, all of that stuff exists there. And we use OKS Hunter as a way to like show off some of our skill set to that to that degree um, and test the waters and have it be this sandbox, this playground where we can do really anything we want to really kind of educate ourselves on the business side. Uh, but to back all the way into like the 2013 era, I started a hunting app called Where to Hunt. And the name was terribly uncreative, but that was like a search engine optimization, you know, a keyword term. People were literally typing into Google where to hunt. And I thought, well, if I can make the business that name, I'll just get all this traffic and it, it worked. And we got like 10,000 downloads on the first iteration of a deer hunting app that helped people identify occupied, non-occupied land. And so when I was trying to market that with no money, um, I, I thought, well, why not like a podcast? Let's build a community. Let's talk to people. Let me get really smart people in the hunting industry on my show. And after the record button and the, and the red light is off, I'm going to pick their brain and ask them every single question I want selfishly. And I probably annoyed the crap out of people because I was like, so how do I do this? What does that look like? You know, it's, that's when I met Brad Luttrell with uh, Go Wild. And I was asking him everything I could think of because he had an app. And I was like, I have an app. What am I doing wrong? What should I do with this? You know, and so forth. So um, that app still exists. <laughs> it's terrible because it's antiquated, uh, but it's being rebuilt. And it's now called Outland, O-U-T-L-N-D. And uh, I have a full-time uh, developer that's 50-50 on that with me. That's a full stack guy. And we're trying to bring the new version to market. And uh, so that's still kind of in the background. We have base layer media in the background. We're doing marketing services for other outdoor companies. And most people have no clue <laughs> that we're doing that stuff. Uh, and then we're also running, you know, OKS Hunter, which is maintaining and managing inventory, cash flow, running TikTok ads, trying to make sure that, um, you know, our customer acquisition cost is low enough to sustain and propel the engine forward and keep growing. So we have to be mindful of like our margins and our product and, and like getting terms with our suppliers and beating them up a little bit. Like, Hey, you're going to give us net 60 terms. And uh, how about we don't have to pay taxes on that or like all of these things and then running uh, email campaigns. And there's just so much more there <laughs> that I think people know. And then you have the podcast and so forth. So it's, it's a lot uh, all on top of raising three kids and um, you know, working a full-time job. So, and, and all of that to say, I try to really work on removing my ego from all that because it is not just me. I have people that help with this stuff, like a lot. Um, Tyler on my team 
He's a 50-50 owner on base layer and OKS Hunter. And he right now does most of the ad optimization um, and the cash flow and accounting. And he does fulfillment. So when you're placing an order on our website at OKSHunter.com, he's boxing that up. And he's up till you know 1, 2 in the morning sometimes doing that. Uh, we're getting a lot of orders right now. It's crazy. So yeah, it's a, it's a thing, man. It's a, it's a lot of stuff. So people just see the funny content and they're like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> and then that's kind of it. Uh, so I'm happy that that brings them in, but there's a lot more there. Yeah. That's one of the things that I was drawn to you and what you're doing is because you've, I think you've really done a great job of aligning a bunch of different activities that you're working on that are all in, I would say maybe the same hemisphere, right? You're, you're involved with digital marketing at gunpowder. That's your day job. You're in it every day. You're learning, you're doing it. And then you're, you, you're building your own media company and you're doing a little bit different things, right? But you're still in that sphere. And then you are putting it to use with your own media, you know, production. Okay. It's Hunter. And then you have a, an app and it's like a full circle. It's like you, you're very good at the vertical um, alignment of all of your things. And I was drawn to that because it, it seems like you're really looking for ways to leverage your skill set in multiple different ways and build use like setting building blocks that really work well together. That's what I was drawn to. Yeah, I'm right where I want to be. I, you know, gunpowder is my dream job. Um, happy to be there. Excellent people, strong culture uh, in the in the verticals that I enjoy, enthusiast categories, outdoor hunt fish brands. I mean, I just went to Alabama two weeks ago for a content shoot for, a, you know, a, a, a battery brand that uh, is in the marine uh, and pro fishing space. And that was awesome. Um, you know, and, and then the OKS Hunter stuff is just, it's a, I say it's a sandbox. It's more like a playground. <laughs> it just, it's a, it's a ton of fun. Um, but trying to build something is, is challenging. You know, I'm very entrepreneurial in my role at work. I'm doing things that I've never done before, uh, which feels intimidating and scary, but then you just have to kind of figure it out. And that's how entrepreneurship is. You're doing things you've never done before all the time and there's no blueprint. And just because some other business owner did something doesn't mean that that's the exact way you need to do it. You can pull pieces and, and ideas and concepts from other people and get ad advice from advisors and, and mentors. But at the end of the day, like what you're going to do doesn't need to be exactly that. The number of people that ask me, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do, what store are you using? What I'll, I'll help anybody and everybody because I'm happy to do so. I think everyone has someone to teach someone regardless of where they're at in their you know journey of success or even deer hunting. But to that end, you know, trying to carve my own path, it still feels like I have no idea what I'm doing all the time, every day. Like, how do we become a publishing house? How do we come, how do we become an actual media company? You know, so we brought on seven freelance writers. Uh, we started them in July. So in June, I was doing outreach, never done that before, never worked with writers, never had an editorial uh, calendar. I'm not an editor. I am now, and I don't know what I'm doing. And we're doing SEO on our site, and, and we're using a lot of the content from our writers to, to do that. And we're doing commerce content. A lot of people don't even know what commerce content is. So like we're building into these things. Everything we're doing now, we're, we're placing little bets and, and you know, uh, on, on how we want our future to look. And you know, I follow a lot of Stoic philosophy, and I read a lot of Ryan Holiday and Marcus Aurelius and uh, you know, Seneca and all these old school philosophers from, from Stoicism. And I think... Uh, Ryan Holiday had said in his recent book about discipline, he had said something like, your body is recording the decisions you make every day. If you're drinking coffee every day, uh, 10 years from now, your body, your teeth is recording that coffee because you're going to have stained teeth. If you're eating a donut every morning, your body is recording that activity. Someday you're going to be maybe really rocking that dad bod. But if you're going to the gym and you're, you know, 
not drink coffee every day, you're going to record that too. And you're going to be a lot healthier and with whiter teeth. Those are just silly examples. But on the business side, it's similar. You know, if I'm staying up till, you know, one in the morning, putting our email campaign together after the podcast is produced so we can go out the next morning, that's a vote I'm giving the business. And that's recording that behavior. And that starts to have a compounding effect over time. So as long as I keep making good choices to grow things or like baking in commerce content and getting writers and so forth, at some point over time, we should be realizing our vision. Like our ambitions need to match our actions and uh, our actions need to match our ambitions. So like every day, my, my actions are trying to match this ambition that I have. And um, that's borderline unhealthy, <laughs> but, you know, try to balance it out where you can. Oh yeah, I like the way you put it. It is a, it's a, it's putting a small bet on the future you'd like to have, and that's entrepreneurship, right? Nobody starts it with instant success unless you're in a a niche class, right? You have millions of followers to begin with. You have other businesses that are already very successful, and now you're breaking into a new business. But for the most of us, that's not our case. That's not our environment we're playing through. We're starting it from the bottom. We're learning skills. We're growing. A lot of us are trying to grow organically. Some people are doing uh, marketing like yourself. And it is. It's like a never-ending cycle of learning something new. And it's like it's like elk hunting when you think you're at the summit, right? It's like all I need to do is get to that one little rise and I'm, I'm at the top. And you get there and you're like, oh, shit, there's another one. And you, you just got to keep going. And it's like <laughs> entrepreneurship. Everything I go through, every phase, it's like finally I got that done. I'm off to the races. And then it's like, oh, now you have to do this. Oh, now I need to learn this skill. Oh, now I need to learn how to market now I need to learn how to market organically because, you know, I, I don't have the cash. I, I would refuse to take out a loan to start the business. So I'm bootstrapping. So it's like, oh, I don't have a ton of money to dump in advertising yet. So I need to learn how to how to get really creative, how to really set yourself aside so you can grow organically. And that's a challenge. I mean, it, all this stuff's a challenge. And I like the way you put it. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. And I was just going to say, I like the, and you also tied it all the way around full circle for really what this podcast stands for is I'll help anyone, you know, because when you do look back, it is so easy. When you're looking back at it, you're like, oh, now I'd really know how to pull an email account, like a professional email. I know how to set up an email suite. I know how to build a website. I know how to pull a domain. I know all these things that at first seemed really daunting, but now that I've done it a couple of times, it's super easy. Now I can help somebody else take those first steps much faster. You did that with me in this podcast. You gave me a lot of tips. Some of them I flat out told you, I think you're right. And it makes me really angry. I was really excited about <laughs> this idea. And then you told me that and I'm like, gosh, shit, now I got to rethink what I'm talking about or rethink my strategy. Cause I think Eric's right as much as I don't want to hear that. Yeah. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs or people that are entrepreneurial have uh, what's called oppositional defiant disorder where like someone says you can't do it, and you're like, Oh yeah, watch me. You know, <laughs> or that's, you know, that, that's actually how gunpowder got its name. Apparently, like they said, you're not going to do anything with a with gun in the name. That's not going to work. I'm like, oh, yeah, boom. The name is gunpowder. F you. So that's, uh, you know, funny to me that, that that's like innate in entrepreneurs and my kids are like that in general. But um, yeah, dude, it, it success begets more success. So you mentioned like some people are starting at a higher place because they've already had some success. I think I'm there to some degree, you know, Um revving the app as an example, like doing a, a revolution on the app and, and redoing it. I'm like, oh my God, the things I know now that I didn't even have a concept of in the past, like I probably couldn't have even told you what monetization meant when I started the app. I did not know what revenue streams were or revenue models. I had no clue what I was doing. All I knew is I was trying to like do something that I think would solve a problem selfishly and put it out to the market and it was adopted. Um, 
now that I've learned so much and I've been through incubators and so forth, like I'm like, well, we need to build it this way and we need to get out fast. We need to fail fast. We need to get adoption. And then from there, we'll have revenue coming in with the model that we have built out. We have three revenue streams and now we can actually build this thing and fund it with like money coming in from the business because before it was all from my pocket. And that's a fast freaking path to failure because that cannot sustain itself. So learning things like that was interesting. So with OK Center, we started with zero dollars, zero. Um, we did out of pocket, uh, Tyler and I, uh, $150 each to pay for the Shopify annual store fee of $300. Once we made enough sales to compensate for that, we paid ourselves back that $150 each. And the business has been growing ever since. We have over 10x the business on just the merchandise side from 2021 to 2022 so far and the year is not done. Um, so we're over 10x, we'll probably 20x the whole damn thing. And that's just one of the revenue streams, we have four. So building this thing into a real business is very, very exciting. One that I've been trying to chart a course for, for, for years, it's been my dream to go out on my own. I'm still not there. Um, and part of the problem is, is that I've waited too long to make a jump that my income from my day job is so great that I cannot bridge that freaking gap because as you earn more in life, your lifestyle matches that. And that's fortunate and unfortunate. It's a double-edged sword. So trying to optimize and pay down debt, um, you know, to, to, to bridge that gap, to make it a little bit less painful and realizing that the business doesn't need to pay me everything that I make. It just needs to pay me something at some point so I can accelerate paying off debt and so forth and optimizing and building a nest egg. So when I make that jump, it's more comfortable and less risky because I have three kids. Like I have responsibilities at the end of the day and I can't just be all willy nilly. Like, you know, as much as I would love to take Gary V's advice and just do it, uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, and, and what that breeds is potentially desperation and, and desperation is a very stinky smell. And so I'm certainly not trying to come at anybody to say, Hey, boy, you need to sponsor this or do that. No one wants any part of that. But if we build something attractive enough and make it a magnet, people will come to us and it's far more comfortable and casual. So now that I'm happy in my job because I wasn't before, um, I can be very patient. I could do this all day long and it's totally fine. I love all of it so much that I, you know, maybe I won't uh, go full time because I enjoy it all. At some point, there'll probably be some necessity where like, I can't handle it all and I would have to make a move. But for the, for the near term, I'm good. Like it's, it's a ton of fun. And what I learned professionally brings it in uh, to, the, to the small business. And because OK Center is so small and nimble, a lot of big brands are not. Big gears turn slow. So they, I, I can take the stuff that I'm learning here on the bleeding edge and bring it to them. And they're like, holy crap, I never thought of that. We can do that? I'm like, you can do that. Yeah, it's called a spark ad. <laughs> like stuff like that. You know, it's crazy. That is insane. That's a great story, too. And I like the way you put it. It's, you know, it's going to be probably your third vertical, okayest hunter, okayest fisher, okayest entrepreneur. You don't have to be Alex Hormozzi and hit 100 million by 30 years old and give up everything and be on the brink of, of bankruptcy, yet pull through because of just sheer force and determination. I'm in the same boat. You're preaching to the choir. I have a W-2 day job. I'm an electrical engineer. I'm not ready to give up my income to to truly bootstrap full-time entrepreneur this thing I got you know we don't have kids yet but you know I have a fiance we have a house we're renting right now while she finishes residency there's bills life happens you can't just you know pull a switch and and you know evac out of your out of your job to, to chase your dreams you got to be a little bit strategic about it and what I've found actually there's a lot of benefits too to having a w-2 income and a side hustle 
and I don't know all of your 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 business entities, but I'm a DBA as well, sole proprietor on both of my fronts. Um, two bucks is a DBA of Bull Elk Beard Oil. Bull Elk Beard Oil is a DBA of me. And so as a sole proprietor, everything boils down onto the same 1040 form. If you have an accountant, they're going to say, what's your income and losses from your day job, which is obviously all income, no losses. And what's your income and losses from the business? And, uh, you know, when you, when you show a loss on profit as you're starting in those early years, you're, you're putting all this into it. You can write those off of your day job and reduce your W-2 income. And that reduces your tax liability a little bit. I've had some really nice tax returns ever since starting this. And that's great. Yeah, we had to hire an accounting firm because I, it, it's getting complicated. Um, we also have an attorney now because we're like filing different trademarks and so forth. And, and those aren't cheap. And I have no desire to like, there's certain things that I know I'm never going to learn or, or get good at. And that's not to say like you should improve on things, but I really did take Gary V's message about punting shit you suck at. And I've punted most of the things I suck at. And I have tripled quadrupled down on things that I just want to do and I'm good at. And, and the acceleration is, is pretty uh, <laughs> significant and, and more so too, like you talked about earlier, uh, bringing all the stuff in the same vertical, condensing it. At one point I sat down with my uh, wife and we, we whiteboarded and drew out like visual buckets. I'm a very visual person. I need to see things. Um, and we started like, even my wife didn't know what the hell I had going on. I, I had a honest to goodness podcast, exponential influence and marketing uh, service. I had a day job. I had where to hunt. I had, it was becoming outland. I had OKS Hunter. We were running kind of OKS Fishery. We had basically our meter. That's a lot of stuff. It's ludicrous. And so I was like, well, some of these things can just go away. And, and so we killed one of the businesses, X Influence. And along with that came a podcast, which was our um, lead gen source, which was honest to goodness. So those two things left. And that saved a lot of time for me, even though it was significant revenue coming in. Um, Where to Hunt is the LLC for Outland. Outland is DBA, Where to Hunt. And then Base Layer Media is the DBA for OKS Hunter. And, and that's it. That's, those are the entities, right? And then I have day job. Um, beyond that, there's no other complicated things. And all of this stuff has shifted into the outdoor and enthusiast category and marketing and content. That is it. Before that, my day job was I was doing IT sales and marketing. And it was so far removed from what I was doing on the other side that it was like, I couldn't, I was thinking about this stuff all the time. And I go to work and I'm like, I can't talk about cybersecurity anymore. I don't care about it. I have no interest in it. It's boring. Um, I'm spending energy learning about it. And it's really hard because I could give a crap. And all I want to do is go figure out more marketing stuff for my hunting things. And now that all of that lives under the same kind of umbrella, it's amazing how little quote unquote work I do every day. Because I bust my ass sun up to sundown, but it it really I've arrived at a place where it does not feel like work. I'm obsessed with this stuff. It's all I can do. I listen to podcasts called like Ad Spend about how to like optimize your ad campaigns on social and really create what's called um marketing like a, a strong mer marketing efficiency ratio, and how do I like optimize my ROAS, my return on ad spend, and so forth. Like we're running ad, I'm running ad campaigns for some big freaking brands that are spending more money than we make in a month. Um, so like learning there is it's just all in the same playground now and that's pretty magical and i remember i remember sitting with um his name is quentin alums they call him q he's from milwaukee he's a bit of a business mogul here young dude younger than me had uh, reached some great heights in terms of success had lewis house on his podcast lewis house hired him uh as one of their executives to help with their their marketing i don't think he's working for lewis house any longer but I had coffee with Q and he, I told him all the stuff I had going on like I did with my wife and he's, he just listened, which is great. 
great listener and I'm puking on all this information, just bleh, word vomiting it. Like I'm thinking I need to impress him with all I'm doing. And he drew four circles on a piece of paper and he drew in the main components of what I was doing. He's like, pretend this is a soccer field and you're going to kick these balls down the field. And you can only kick one at a time. They're big because they're big. And so you can make them all down the field. It's going to take you a really long time. But if you just focus on one of them, you can get that ball down the field. And, and by the time you do and you get it across the goalpost, maybe you don't care about the other three balls anymore. And they just sit there. And who cares? Or maybe when you kick that other ball down the field, you had an exit in your business. And now you have all this capital. And you can go fund that other idea, that other ball that you had. And you can get another one down the field a lot easier. More energy, more focus, more, deliber like more deliberate um, you know, energy towards this thing. And it, I was like, at the time, trying to read this book called The One Thing. So that conversation pissed me off. The book was pissing me off because it was telling me things I didn't want to hear or didn't believe. I thought I could do it all. It's like I'd go to the gym and people say, like, you can't do back and chest in the same day. I'm like, what do you mean you can't? Of course you can. Those muscle groups are too big. You need to do like chest and arms. I'm like, no, 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 man. I'm going to do back and chest. I got this. You know, and that's that oppositional defiant disorder coming back, but it sank in. And that's when I did, I cut the, I cut the other business. I cut the podcast with our third kid coming. I'm like this, it, it's all going to break down and I'm gonna have a lot of pissed off customers and clients and I can't do that. So that was a really strong message. And now like, OKS Hunter really is the primary focus. Now we have OKS Fisher, Camper, Hiker. We have OKS freaking everything. And when I say we have a vision to build this into a publishing house and run commerce content through it and make it a media company with the written word, audio and video, we have a YouTube uh, show we're building right now. We hired a videographer that's filming us on every hunt. Um, it's going to be like the office, not like every other hunt you've ever seen on every stinking hunting show. Uh, we have our podcast running. We're trying to look at how do we build a podcast network for ourselves with all these different verticals. Um, and then we have our written component where we're bringing on writers more and more and more every single like week. We get asked for by more writers to come on board because they like the mission. But that's just one thing. That's just hunt. There's other categories, but I can't do it all yet. So, um, just trying to focus here, build a blueprint, build a model, and then hire in for it. And then we can step out and do the next thing and the next. And that's what you mentioned before. Like at some point when you're doing other categories, maybe that's when the revenue will kick up. But um, trying to be patient is challenging. I want to do this full time right now today. I could, I could do it that way. And, and I could, uh, you know, argue myself out of the logical analysis I just gave before about I need to work my day job and be patient. Just as uh, viscerally, I could quit today and go do this. And, uh, you know, there's some magic in the math that appears once you're all in on something that the numbers, you know, can't predict. Um, right. So maybe it's desperation, maybe it's motivation. I don't know. But that is also another way to go and people do it and it works. It starts a fire under your tail, or your keister that, um, you know, isn't there if you're comfortable doing other things. So I've been in that position before when I was young, I was 100% commissioned salesperson. I remember I made a $12 check for two weeks or something like that. And I was like, I can't live on this. This is like, I can, I should just go work at McDonald's. Like, what am I doing? But they, they like, were like, no, sorry, no handouts. You want to, you want to make a living working for this company. You better go do your job, go sell. And I worked there for like almost eight years. Uh, and I made more money than any young 20 something should ever make in his life. It was stupid because I had paychecks. Once I started really put into it, 12 grand for two weeks. And I'm like, wow, I really blew a lot of money doing dumb crap as a 20-something-year-old. I wish yeah, I, I had that we now. All have. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, but, but to have that fire under my, my tail, uh, it changed the dynamics. And it was like placing those small bets again. I'm like, what am I going to do today that future me is going to be thankful for? What am I going to, like, I'm going to stay late and make 10 more calls. 
And I got done with the 10 calls. I'm like, nope, I'm going to make 20 more calls because I know that tomorrow I'm going to be appreciative that I did that because I'll be further ahead than everyone else. And I just busted my ass. Like, I wasn't good at what I did. I just worked harder, which isn't like advisable necessarily. It's like 21 when I played basketball when I was a kid. When I, was a kid I, I suck at basketball, but I would work so hard. I would take 10 shots to make one and all the other guys would take, you know, two shots to make one. But I would get the ball from them every single time. <laughs> I was vicious. Um, I still lost at that stuff. And I still lose in business all the time. And it's interesting how, how losses and failure occurs because it's not as stark as people think. Like, I failed at a whole bunch of things already. And I, I have to, like, think about that for a second. But that, that is a teacher. Yeah. Um, you never really truly fail, though, unless you quit. Right? Especially with business. Right? You, you tried some things that didn't pan out. But as long as you don't quit, you didn't fail, right? You, you learn from it, you go on, you do it better next time, or you avoid it completely, keep paddling, right? And that's what is something you said. You just said something where I literally was thinking the exact same thing earlier. I always think of like good t-shirt ideas and I just backlog mm -hmm. them for now because I'm not ready to launch merch. I'm just focused on growing the podcast for now. But you said, do something today that tomorrow you will be thankful for. And I was thinking about that 30 minutes ago before we got on this call. It's like, that's yep. really what I'm trying to do with this podcast is inspire people to do something today that you're going to be thankful for tomorrow. Maybe that's pulling a domain name for that idea you've had. Maybe that's reaching out to a potential partner and saying, hey, do you want to go in on this together? I think we could do something here. Maybe that's maybe that's just talking to your wife or your husband about it. It's like I've always wanted to do X. I've always wanted to have a voice in the outdoors. I've always wanted to be an outdoor writer. I've always wanted to be a photographer. I've always wanted to run my own product business. Maybe that's the first step. You don't even know what the thing is yet. You just know what the dream is or, or aspects of the dream. Just do something today that you're going to be happy you did tomorrow. Yeah. Be a, be a person of action um, for sure. And I, you know, I, I've had to like turn off some of those things because you know, I was, when I was young, I was like every, and I'm still young, but every idea is a thing and I, I would run with all of it. And it's like, it just got to be crazy. It was a crazy thing. It's, it still is. It's like, it's hard for me to turn it off. Um, but you have to ask yourself, do you have the time? Does your life have the capacity? Does your wife have the capacity? Like what, what impacts will this decision have on me? And so now when I have ideas, I'm talking to my wife, I'm talking to my business partner. Hey, let's consider this. Let's run the numbers on it. Let's do some back of the napkin stuff, see what it looks like. And then see if we can justify doing the work that's going to go into building that thing and if it makes this much money then we can hire for it and move on and uh you know those are some new learnings that i'm getting out of like the day job and the leaders that i have there like it's not that complicated it is but it also isn't it doesn't need to be so if you can make enough money on something with healthy enough margins and you can justify charging someone for abc xyz because like there's value in it that's that's great do that and do it enough so that like you don't need to like sheepishly like, well, I'm gonna charge you, you know, X. Forget that. Like be be awesome about it. Like have tenacity. Like you can figure stuff out. The number of things that I started doing that I had no clue how to do, and I don't recommend that necessarily, but it's very possible to to leap before you look, um, to some degree. So yeah, dude, this is like such a fun conversation because I don't hopefully maybe someone needs to hear this, but just take take some action and then think about it for a minute. Like let it marinate. I make some of my best decisions sitting in the deer woods. One reason I like hunting, it's stillness. I don't have a lot of opportunity to be still in life until I go to the woods. And when I do, I can have deep thoughts about things and think it through. Oh, yeah. Thinking and dreaming and thinking are the keys. To have a dream and then to really spend time 
thinking about it, how you would do it, what life would look like if it was successful, what life would look like if it wasn't successful, opportunities to make it happen. I, I, I'm probably annoyingly optimistic and a dreamer, and my fiance, she's a lot more grounded on, on where we are today, where we are in life right now. And I'm always looking at, like, here's where I want to be, and she's like, well, we're not there yet. And it's like, yeah, I know, but I want to figure out a way to get there. You know, and I'm just going to keep coming up with ideas to get there until one of them sticks and thinking them through. Mm -hmm. and, and for example, you know, I started the beard oil company, Bull Elk Beard Oil. That was where I really learned everything on a, at a very base level. I mean, we're not even doing paid advertising yet. It's all organic. And, and so there's a mm -hmm. lot to go yet. But looking back at just starting that business, I realized how easy it really is to start something. Once you have the product figured out, if you have the product figured out, you can manufacture it, you can build it. The things that trip people up, taxes, sales tax, pulling a domain, setting up email, building a website, how are we going to handle shipments, all of that stuff's super easy. You've done it. You mentioned you got a Shopify store, so you realize how easy it really is. They tell you where the order's going. You click print the label, label prints out, you stick it on a box, bring it to the post office, you're done. You know, it's, it's, it's something that if you had somebody next to you that has done it once, your learning curve is drastically different. I mean, it's you can yeah. learn so yeah. much because it's not that complicated. Just like you said, you just got to learn a couple things. A lot of people have done it, and I want to help people do that. But Beard Oil isn't yeah, the end all. It's not the end all company. My dream right. is a is a very in extensive software company in the outdoor space, and I don't want to say it because I think other people could do it right now, and I can't. And so I'm going to use beard oil and podcasting to build a foundation and I'm going to grow those the best I can. Cause that's something I can do today. And if they start to really take on traction and they start to cash flow, and I can start saving and investing in this third idea that, you know, that is the future plan. It doesn't mean I have to, you don't have to start with your absolute end game dream. Another one of them that I can say, cause I don't think I'm going to do it. I've always had dreams to do a food plot company and do it differently like a, a food plot product implement company, build food plot implements and ship them out. I've, I've come up with some ideas. I work in agriculture, so I'm around some stuff and I'd have to definitely run that by my employer because there could be a conflict of interest and IP constrictions. But it's like, I don't have the capability to start a manufacturing company and start shipping out 2000 pound implements out of my garage. Like I'm not mm -hmm. there yet. So that one of the thoughts was I'll start where I can build it into something where then I could hire a welder and I could hire a fabricator and I could hire people to do that stuff. And then we could launch that business. And I think that's really important for people to hear. You don't have to start where, start where you are, start with what you have. Don't take your eye off the dream, yep. but know where your feet well, are. And, and identify what, what I've heard Gary Vaynerchuk call white space, identify where the holes in the market are, things that are maybe missed. And, and from your unique perspective on the world and, uh, lens that you have with your own expertise and so forth. Like, see if you can find some wiggle room to to nudge yourself in there. I looked around in the hunting category, and everybody was putting out logos and and products and brands and content about big deer, all of it. And I was like, what if we just made an, a a logo that had a little antler, and that's our logo, and we freaking stand behind that, and have no shame, shameless about it, just freaking shameless about it, so shameless that we're so proud of anything we can do out there with that. And, and it resonated so well. I didn't realize it was that needed. It, like, it's like the hunting space needed some breathing room to take a freaking breath and be like, this is fun. It's hunting. It doesn't always have to be like, I always think about the Batman scene. Why so serious? Like, just chill out with the camouflage on your face for two seconds, okay? It can be serious, but somewhere, a 12-year-old just shot a buck bigger than you. And it was by sheer luck, 
Okay. Because they're wild animals and deer do deer things, right? You, you can't. So, you know, it is what it is. Like the people chasing mature whitetails. Awesome. It is hard. It's certainly not easy. I recognize my, rea my reality and know that that's not a reality I can live right now because it takes a level of effort and energy to put forth that I don't think I can capitalize on. So if you see me with a big buck, it's because I have years of compound knowledge. I'm making at least some decent decisions in the woods and a deer did something stupid that I capitalized on. Right. Otherwise it's going to be whatever the hell I see. I'm going to shoot and I'm going to be very proud of it because my daughter's asking me for venison like every week. <laughs> um, but the other thing about like finding white space is you don't have to necessarily do things better than the next guy. You can, there can always be better, but I really like different, different, not better. And sometimes different is better. Um, so like the small antler for okay, Hunter, it's just different. We're not better than anybody, but we're very different. Five hour energy. When they came out to market, um, the energy, the energy drink category was so saturated when this guy had this idea, they're like, dude, no way the market needs another energy drink. Like, but energy drinks were different than coffee, right? I don't want, I don't want hot coffee. I want a cold like a soda, but I want it to be like what I get out of a coffee. Five hour energy is like none of that. I'm not going to put my stuff in the refrigerator. It's not going to be coffee. It's not going to be a lot of liquid. So when you're on a road trip trying to stay awake, you're going to piss your pants every three stops. Like it's a small shot that sits yep. in the front of the counter. That's different, not better. And they carved out a whole new category of energy drink. Like, that is a, a very unique way of thinking. Apple has done it several times. They keep creating categories like they're a category king. That's hard to replicate, but you can certainly apply ways to think differently about things. Our, our GPS app is different than every other hunting app because our go-to-market like application, everyone's like, is it like Onyx? No, MFers, it's not like Onyx. The world doesn't need another Onyx, okay? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to do Onyx better than Onyx. The only one's going to do that is Spartan Forge because they built something far better uh, in terms of satellite imagery and, like, deer movement predictability. Like, kudos to them, they did it. But also took eight years before that product ever saw the light of day. And they built that out for eight years. That's, that's like, some hardcore business stuff. To, to say that someone quietly built something for eight years before it ever saw the light of day, Right. And so when it did, it was a fully built out thing. So to your point about like not mentioning ideas, yeah, some things are worth sitting on and squand like not squandering, but like keeping close to the vest. But most people like have their own shit going on, have their own stuff going on, have their own ideas. Like people, I'm like, they don't want to share their ideas with me. They're like, oh, can I? I'm like, look, man, I have enough of my own stuff going on. I have my dream and vision. I promise you, I am not touching your thing with a 10 foot pole. I have no interest, but I will help you. You can tell me about it. I'll help you. I'll give you my input, but no, I have no interest in taking your idea. And now that you've told me it would be unethical and morally corrupt for me to take your idea. So like by all means, but there are people that are morally corrupt, unethical, right. and will take your ideas. So it's just, yeah, it is what it is. Um, and non-competes don't mean shit. So don't even worry about like, oh, sign non-compete like or a uh, 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 NDA, yeah, non-disclosure. Yeah. Shit's stupid. But yeah, I'm not worried about, about you stealing my idea. I'm worried yeah. that this is the episode that takes off and Stealth Cam or Tacticam or Spy Point hears my idea and they do have the resources to capitalize on it. And then I'm shit out of water. But it's it's a something. Yeah. Even I think what's a really good point about what you're saying is even if. Even if they hear my point. So here's, I mean, I'll challenge, I'll challenge fate. My idea is a software program in the trail camera space. And one of the frustrations I've always had is managing trail camera pictures. We've all probably felt that frustration and to some degree. Like we love it, right? We love getting pictures of big bucks. What we don't love is 3,000 pictures froze, of the world. It froze for me on my end when you said it is a. Uh, 
Oh, <laughs> and then it froze. I just hit I the like, record oh, wow. button. No, it's a um, it's a software program in the trail camera space, right? And so it's 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 yeah. hitting something that's always hit me hard, which is just managing yeah. pictures. The the mass pictures. I mean, we've had years where we've hit a million pictures a year across. 50 cameras or not 50 cameras, 25 cameras, but maybe 50 different spots, you know, we're moving cameras throughout the year. And it's like, you know, hit just looking through them and all that stuff. So anyway, that's the idea. Even if stealth cam chooses to, to start following the podcast at this episode, their vision about it, even if they do take on is going to be drastically different than my vision. Unless I, you know, storyboard out the whole thing and show them the whole plan, they're going to do it completely different. And that's fine. If they want to try, I'll do it my way and we'll see who the market likes. Their gears are already uh, far, far in motion. Their vision was plotted a long time ago. It would be hard for them to pivot and pick something up. Now, like if you build it far enough, maybe they acquire you yeah. and then they can tack that on. Like acquisition, M&A activity, mergers and acquisition is like super common. Like I'm looking at podcasts I can acquire and other companies I can acquire. Like who can we just freaking buy that complements what we're doing rather than doing that ourselves? Like that is a strategy for growth that people maybe don't consider sometimes. I know some folks do because I've seen it happen in this in this space already a couple of times, but um I don't know, man. Like, I just going back to the different, not better. Like, that might be a very different way to do something. There's a, I think, what's the deer, deer, is it like deer lab or, um, deer lab? Yeah, there that's is a one trail. Of them. And they have a good product. Yeah, they have a good yep. product. And I've used it. Deer, and like patterns of that deer and so forth and recognition. And, and I remember hearing a conversation between them and Moultrie at ATA. A uh, number of years ago, and I was like, holy, sh I think I'm hearing a new idea be born right now. Like that was like a partnership being codified in front of my own eyes. I was witnessing that conversation happen. Um, and that's that you, you have to validate things, improve things like people want to like reduce risk and big businesses aren't trying to take risk. They, they're trying to like, you know, protect their profit margins. Yeah. And so if you've validated something and proven it out far enough, you've reduced that risk for them and they, they can just place that bet confidently. Um, I'd be happy to be acquired. I'd be happy to have someone buy us if, if that meant like. I could go do more of what I love and build something else or like be along to do more stuff with the things I'm doing. Um, that would be a, a great outcome for us, especially on the application side, like the, the hunting app, you know, again, doing something different, not better. We're identifying occupied and unoccupied access and, and, and informing heat map and hunting pressure to like solve the problem of like hunting land is very overcrowded. How do we spread that out? How do we avoid one another safely? And, and, and like, just from like a hunting success standpoint, if I go out to the deer woods and I've taken the little bit of time out of my day that I have to go do the thing that I love and I run into another hunter, that's a bad outcome for him and me or her and me. Like, that's not a great outcome. If I can just avoid that, if I see six trucks at the lot, I'm like, great, they're here. Where are they? How do I avoid them? Yeah. If there is an app that helped me want to get around that, that would be a beautiful thing. Well, there is. And like, that's something that, Onyx probably could do that. Is that their goal and mission? No, that's not their thing. Yeah. Like, are they going to take my idea? Maybe. And if they did, cool, because it would actually do the thing I'm trying to do. I like I'd actually be pretty happy about it. I'm not trying, you know? <laughs> yeah. I like the idea. We've all said it, or at least a lot of people have probably thought it is. I'd rather share the woods with 10 good hunters than one bad hunter. And the app yeah, you're trying to build yeah. sounds like it's really trying to capitalize on let's be 10 good hunters. Let's know where everyone is and let's stay away from them. I'm not going to walk right up wind of you. Um, and, and we're going to, we're going to hunt this piece intelligently instead of where we are today in the world where it's like, I don't know, I guess I'll just try to go to my spot and you walk by four people on the way to your spot and someone's in your tree. Yeah. Well, the fear is like, Oh, I don't want to share my spot because someone might take it. And I think we're past the point of like that mattering anymore because there's boot tracks in every corner of a freaking plot of woods now. And there's cell cams and trail cams everywhere. 
So I think we we should be like good to jettison that at some point here sooner or later. Like when I launched the app, the question was, why would I bring my cell phone into the woods? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like that's the that was the concern. And uh, like that's how far ago I started this thing. And um, you know, there was a lot of learnings that came along with it. People were mad about sharing their spot. I think it's a beacon to say, stay away, not come to me. Uh, and others are afraid that it's a come to me thing. So there's, if you scroll through TikTok right now, there's this feature that they acquired or like are doing against the new app called Be Real. And it's just called Now. It's a Now tab. Mm. And it says, view this picture. But if you want to view this picture, you need to participate. You need to take a picture now also. That is how it will work for the people that don't want to um, participate. It'll be like, oh, if you want to see where the other hunters are, then you need to divulge your location. And if you're not comfortable doing that, then you can pay us and you can see the information and not divulge your spot. So it's either you you play the game with everybody else and participate in what we're doing, or you can pay to opt out of it and still access that information. But in addition to that, it's a heat map that we're capturing data points to show pressure through heat, much like you would see and view a weather system on your weather app. What that does is it informs e-scouting at a level that like, it can abstract the data. So I'm not seeing that Johnny is hunting at latitude and longitude, this exact location. It's saying that there's been somebody in this area and as more people in the area, the hotter it's going to get. If I see cell cams, maybe I want to take a, maybe I want to log that I've saw that I've seen a cell cam. So even though I'm only one hunter, I can add additional pressure points onto that property to show that it is being hunted harder than I want. And my hope and desire is that that will start to spread out the hunting population. If they look at a heat map of hunters um, using app and we have 10,000, well, we had 70,000 downloads on the first version by the time it like hit its life cycle. Um, and now we're starting from scratch all over again, basically, because I built everything like shit in the past. I had no idea what I was doing. Like I'd mentioned at this point going forward, it'd be great to just pull up it on, on my computer and be like, wow, it's September. And that piece has already seen that much pressure. Like I'm not going to go there. So this now becomes the equivalent of like guys that are just running red tape along a freaking road to say there's someone here, even if they're not hunting it, like the unethical part swings the other direction to like, you know, I'm going to go run around this property with my cell phone on, on this app <laughs> to make it look like I'm hunting here yeah. to keep people away. Like, that could become a strategy people deploy. And that's the opposite end of, I don't want to share my spot. So there's a spectrum to that. I, I hear what people have to say about it, but if I don't do this, someone else probably will, because it is an issue worth like trying to solve. So I'm happy to talk about it because we're pretty deep in it. Like I'm not really super concerned that someone's going to acquire or like steal our idea. Um, I have maybe made it my personal trademark of do not let boot tracks ruin your hunt. The That's number good. of times I've picked up shed antlers in a boot track and not like the antler fell after the boot track was there, but like sometimes I've picked up one in a boot track, the boot track stepped on the antler. And, you know, when you're trying yeah, to shed hunt public lambs, it's like, do not, do not let a pair of boot tracks ruin your hunt. You're not competing against him you're comp or her. You're competing against mother nature and yourself. There's plenty of resources. Yeah, and you have no there. idea. People are like, oh, well, you know, it shows that someone's there. Like, dude, how, how does someone else know that yeah, that spot's any good? You know, just because it shows that you were there, it doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean there's deer there. It doesn't mean that, like, you're an expert hunter. Like, but I get it. People are pretty secretive about their stuff, and uh, it's fine. That's part of the, that's part of the, you know, well, and it's, the makeup of all this. There's so. going to be a gradient. You know, like, when I'm hunting North Dakota in the middle of nowhere, I know that there's not a lot of pressure. I probably don't need to divulge my spot. If I'm hunting mm -hmm. Minnesota, Wisconsin publics around the Twin Cities metro, like where I live now, 
I definitely want to know who's out there. If there's 52 people out there and I can see that from my house before I leave, it's like, I'm going to wait until Tuesday and I'm going to go out on Tuesday, not Saturday, because I don't want to do that. I, I, I want to know where people are so I can go somewhere else and have my own yeah. experience. I think there's a, it's, it'll be a gradient, right? You'll depends yeah. on what your situation is. If you're hunting private, probably not divulging your spot. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't, people are on private, like, who cares? But, you know, there's a private group feature, too. So if you want to, like, bring someone new on your property that's never hunted it before, you can at least see where, they, see where they are. You can track, you can see where your buddies are. I've had this happen with my dad and my hunting party when we were gun hunting. Like, just open up the app, Dad, so I can come find you. Because I'm not trying to figure out what tree you're by when you tell me you're by the brown one. Like, that's not going to help me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and, and the, re- the reason this works well, like, you could do, you could do find my friend and, and share your location with people with iPhones, but not everyone has an iPhone. Some people have Android, some people have iPhones, some people have whatever the hell is out there. So having a central location to see all of your hunting party by name and be like, oh, well, Joel moved, classic. Jeremy got lost. Mike fell asleep. All these dots are in different places, and I can see what the heck is going on. And having communication with those folks through that entity rather than like another group text message that is going to get lost in the ether, um, like trying to encompass everything that we can do to support people that are out in the woods um, is what we're trying to do. So just very different application than the Onyxes and Huntwises of the world. I'm not trying to make a social media app. I'm not trying to make a mapping application. I'm trying to do something that's going to help hunters that are out in the woods trying to access land. Yeah, you know, you don't have to be a Harvard grad to give the advice that I would rather not go head to head with Onyx and their demographic. Yeah, they'll squash me. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm just not interested. But you know what? If I build it big enough and it has enough uh, attraction and, and adoption and so forth, like. You guys want to buy this? <laughs> you know, it, yep. it might be a, a, hey, let's talk about this. You know, you have a, how many users? Like 500,000 users with this much revenue? Okay, cool. Let's just eat up that technology, you know, and they can just acquire it. I don't care. Yeah, I thought of two things about your app. You might have thought of these as well. The first one, which might not be a huge deal. I wonder if there's going to be legal implications of that. Is that going to get classified as using electronic devices to aid in the taking of game? I don't think so because it's not about the deer. It's about the hunter. Um, I mean, maybe I'd have to navigate that to some degree and see what that looks like. But Because where I was leading uh, with that is it could be a huge safety improvement for people that do deer drives as their main mode. It's like I know Eric's walking at my elevation down this trail, and he's 200 yards out. So from now until I see Eric, I cannot shoot down this trail. Right. Cause I know he's over there. I, I can see him. He's coming my yeah. way. I can't see him visually yet. I can see him digitally, but bef- otherwise you have no idea. The deer is walking down the trail. You're going to shoot the deer. You don't know that Eric's 200 yards behind the deer behind a bush that you can't see through, but your bullet could pass through. That could be a yeah, huge so safety. Then uh, it already has been, it's been uh, it, but it's a byproduct of what we're doing. I can't tout it as the leading uh, go to market message because it would imply that everyone has to use it. And if everyone's not using it, then like people have a dependency much like, you know, your, your car, uh, you know, mirror lights up if there's a car in your blind spot. I mean, that's great. That's helpful, but you can't rely on that hundred percent. You need to still check your blind spot with your eyeballs and turn your neck and head to see. Um, so yeah. th- the reason I say it is, is like, I've opened up the app and seen dots that I'm, these are not my friends. These are dots of people that I do not know. And they're occupying space that I should not shoot that direction. Um, the first version had a feature that if someone, you would set the range. If someone checks in uh, within one mile for me, I will get a silent notification on my phone. And I'm like, wow, there's a new hunter in my area. Boom, open it. There they are. Great. Now I'm aware of other people that I was not aware of before. So it is, for those that are using it, it does become safer. 
but it's not like it's a mandatory yeah. you know requirement that everyone uses it and it's not going off of like just a cell phone thing you have to be a an active user of the application so it's only capturing like a small segment of all hunters yeah no that is pretty interesting yeah you don't want to get into any functional safety and having people rely on it because then you open up yourself for a lot of liability if something doesn't work right um yeah you definitely don't want to tread in those like waters. Why Apple uh, won't ever say their air tags are for tracking animals because they don't want to deal with that drama. <laughs> so you can use it that way, but they don't they don't condone it or like back it up. Just funny to me. Yeah, that would be cool. I really want to get a GPS collar for my dog just to see the miles he covers shed hunting and and where he goes out and turns around on a dime and runs right back to me with an antler. Then I know I can put a pin exactly where that antler was, not where we met up together. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that'd be great. I have to. I'll have to buy another smartphone from you, and then download the <laughs> app, turn it on, and tape it to a tape it to his uh, back. So he can... <laughs> yeah, they probably make better products for dogs than what I would have. But yeah, yeah. So I was gonna I was gonna bring up a topic. It's an okayest hunter moment. So right now I have a big moral conflict going on in my head because I bow hunt and I gun hunt, and you know our gun season's not for two weeks yet. But I just found out that our farm and our our farm in Minnesota is eligible for this early antlerless season. So it's additional tags and you can hunt with whichever weapon you buy the license for. So if I buy my $30 firearm license, I can use my firearm during this early antlerless season, which it's free for me because I have all my lifetimes. But the, the dilemma for me is like, I feel like I should use my bow to shoot does. I don't know why I feel like it'd be cooler and more fulfilling and more badass and just the way it should be. And, and I bow hunt all this time, yet the other side of me is like, well, that's dumb. You're just doing it for your ego. The goal is to do herd management because, you know, we have a huge doe problem on our farm. We, you know, scouted this summer, and, and there's fields with 40 deer in them with one racked buck. And so I'm fighting myself all week, like, oh, should I bring my gun to the stand or my bow to the stand? I can use these extra tags either way. It's just which weapon do I use? And I'm, like, kicking myself that I'm being so stupid about this. It's like, just bring your gun. Do the herd management, set the ego aside, and get the job done. But it just—it's just bothering me. It's just my okayest hunting. We have a shirt. Off. We have a shirt that says "Shoot Deer," and it depends on where you're on your, your your hunting journey. But shooting shoot deer means like get your reps in, get your practice in, get comfortable and confident shooting deer. Because if you don't do that, then by the time the big one shows up, you're not going to be comfortable at full draw or confident. So if you need the practice with your bow and you want to just shoot some deer, do it so you can get more reps in. Otherwise. If you don't like, maybe you don't feel like cleaning your gun because you've got a podcast to record that night. So you're like, you know what? I'm not going to clean my gun tonight. I'm going to bring my bow. It's, it's a drizzling or something like that. Like, I'm not going to bother. Um, yeah. So I, I would say just situationally, take it for whatever it is, either way. If you want to yeah. have a challenge tonight, uh, bring your bow. If you want to just get some meat, uh, you know, in the freezer and, and do the herd manner stuff, bring your gun. Yeah. I would say you've done the job of already considering your ego and who cares? Yeah, bring it's... whichever weapon fits the situation. It, our farm has is, is been in the three-deer limit for our normal season for a long time, and I've always shot my two does, plus I either shoot a buck or try to shoot that third doe at the end of the year. And so I've done mm -hmm. both a lot with the bow and the gun, so that's not the issue. It's just like that feeling of I did it with the bow. It just feels better when it just yeah, works. Sometimes, snipe, sometimes sniping a deer with your rifle feels good, too. Like <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it does. So, yeah, I think I am going to break down and just use the gun because the real goal here this weekend is herd management. It's three bonus tags yeah. or three additional tags, so I could shoot five antlerless and then my one either or. But that's my little yeah, my, my moment of my okayest hunter dilemma right now. <laughs> no, man, I, I would 
it's going to be a fun way to go for sure. Yeah. Plus it's October. Who gets to shoot deer with a gun in October? Yeah, no doubt. I don't know, but both stealthy and I don't know. There's just uh, different components to each. They both you have, have their, to, their thing. Minnesota has a, a wonderful law that says you cannot shoot a deer with a bow if you're in possession of a firearm. And it's that's it. There's no context. So there, what I would love to say, what, what I'd love to see is a, a line below that, except if you have a license for both weapons and there's a season open for both weapons. Because then I could bring both. And if a buck walks out, I could shoot that with my bow, which is legal. It's not legal to shoot it with your gun this weekend. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. It's like, well, if I bring my gun, sure enough, this unknown buck that hasn't hit any of our trail cameras yet this summer is going to walk out at 20 yards. Yeah, those are just decisions you got to just stand behind the whole way through and be like, yep, I made this choice to bring the gun, and that's the choice that I had tonight. And that's how destiny was going to play out, and it is what it is. But, yeah, inevitably, that's how it's going to go, man. <laughs> and if you bring your boat, you're not going to see the buck. Oh, which, okay. <laughs> which I should do because that farm, it doesn't have a deer. You know, this is just where I am in my okayest hunter journey is I like to shoot. I like to build an age class. I love watching deer. I love seeing them year after year. I like looking at a two-year-old that walks by under my stand at two years old. And we're hunting private, mind you. So if I was on public, it's a completely different set of rules in my own mind. I love watching him and I'm, gonna, I'm just looking at him and letting him walk and just thinking about him and hoping he comes back next year as a three-year-old. You know, I like that. I like letting those ones and twos go and watching them, but we don't have any of the other ones. We don't have any of the three or four-year-olds on the farm this year that, that we've seen. So maybe I should do the gun just to tempt fate and say, put one on the farm for everyone else that's going to hunt in a couple weeks. Like a good confirmation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So what's, what's next you talked about a lot of stuff you got in the works. What is maybe the big goal or dream that that's coming next for you, whether it's OKS Hunter, Base Layer Media, the app, you know, maybe one step beyond that. What's your, what's your vision looking like? Um, yeah. I mean, it depends on how some of the bets that we've been placing kind of shake out. I'd like to see the app um, go to market and, and see some adoption. That's tricky. My developer uh, that runs it with me, He's got three kids and two dogs and, you know, a day job just like I do. So his life is crazy. So it's, I can't move as fast as I want there. Um, so that's a challenge because I want to do everything with that. Um, and once that one goes, it's kind of like, it can kind of just do its own thing there. Like if, if people are using it, they're using it. I don't have to like do much. Um, if I want to pour some gas on it, I can. It's fine. The okay, it's Hunter thing. We're launching our YouTube series uh, next year. So all the content we're filming this year to get a show, I'm really excited to see that come to fruition. Uh, we're doubling up on trade shows. We did one last year as a test run. We're going to do three or four this next year. So we'll see how that goes. And we're adding product to our lineup. So more than just merchandise, um, like, you know, hats and co- like we have these, uh, you know, Buffalo plaid flannel koozies I saw those. Um, and stickers. Yeah, we're going to add actual product, gun gun cases, gun sleeves, um, game calls and so forth, to things that can complement our approach um so excited to kind of go down that path a little bit it's hard to keep running ads for hats it feels like you know like everyone has enough hats but the fact that we're making a good go of it by just doing hats and shirts and stuff is is mind-blowing so it always makes me feel like boy oh boy if we have a product like it's going to change things up in a major way which it will so i'm excited to see that come to fruition um you know toying around the idea with more of the media and commerce content play with being a publishing house and just trying to think about what steps we need to take there so um you know, when we can really fully launch the fishing vertical, we, we have it, we tried and we quickly learned that we can't do both. So we had to pick and we picked hunting for the short term. Um, you know, that had traction, but 
we just couldn't sustain doing both with two of us, um, which is funny because uh, I listen to a lot of business podcasts and, and I think the one with Solo Stove that I heard on e-commerce fuel, they, it's two dudes that made it to 7 million in revenue before they were hired. They had a lot of virtual assistants and, and like uh, freelance employees, but never a real employee. I'm like, man, if they can go to 7 million, like what am I doing? <laughs> but uh, you know, th those are things that I'm excited about. I'm excited to just see how the year ends. I think we'll, we'll crack six figures this year. And that is like, mind-blowing to me that out of just an idea creating creating and building something we've we've built community we've uh created space for people to feel confident in in what they're shooting and happy we've gotten a lot of messages that will actually like pull your heartstrings and get some tears uh kind of forming in your eyes because it's so meaningful um and to say that you know again if we didn't act on that this wouldn't exist like it's just crazy that something is just I wouldn't even say born into existence, like literally like manifested into existence. And that in of itself, the intrinsic reward I have from that is really incredible. And the accolades that I can someday say like, yeah, that's how I did it. And, and to reverse engineer it, it's going to sound really easy, but in the, in the midst of it, it feels like total chaos. So anyone can create a narrative on the backside of something and say, well, this is how we do. We had this plan for that. And it happened to work out. Uh, I'm telling you right now, we're seeing if it's going to work out. You know, it still might, not i don't know if we're so small compared to so many brands and, and the perception is very different people think we're colossal and we're you know big and we're not we're two dudes trying to figure it out <laughs> and it's uh exciting to see where it's gonna go but every every day you know the shopify app goes cha-ching 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 several times i'm like i can't believe other people are buying our stuff like it blows my mind it's so humbling um that first that shopify just... notification you get when you try something that's Elevating. not like your mind like, wow yeah, correct. Yeah, it's not my dad. It's like, I don't know who these people are. At this point, we've sold every state in the country, you know, uh, probably a couple times over. And it's... Are you doing Canada? It's wild, you know? Uh, no, because we can't figure out the tax stuff. It's really complex. Uh, so if you have anybody, let me know. We, we've talked to our accounting firm and they've like given us literature. I'm like, I don't want literature on. I want you to like figure it out for me. Tell I don't want to read the tax laws in Canada. We'll, what to do. We'll have a conversation um, <laughs> after after this on that. I did. I set it up people Canada for me. They ask all the time, are you going to sell to Canada? Like, We're trying to figure it out. So maybe I'll do it next year. But um, I think you yeah, can do it, it next just, week. Yeah, well, hopefully it'd be great because it feels complicated. Um, but I, I hate I felt that. the exact same way. People were asking for it on TikTok and everything. And, and eventually I just said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And so, you know, we'll, we can talk about what I did and if you choose to do the same or not. But yeah, that's exciting stuff. But like you said, it's like that Shopify, that, that ding goes off and you're like, oh my gosh. That's a name I've never seen before. The I guy's from Austin, Texas. Well, it's amazing. Yeah. What they get, you know, what they get. Oh, the ads are working. Like, holy crap, the ads are working because you can see the the attribution. Um, and I get that's where it came from. That's where it came from. And then you see these other ones like, wow, our SEO is working. They're coming from Google. Like all of those writers we brought on that are writing like great stories. Um, that's pulling in search, people from search. And like it's become our second biggest channel and that's organic and it's going to outpace our paid channel which is incredible because now that is far more sustainable our customer acquisition costs can go way down um which keeps the engine kind of keen to roll keep that's rolling, a great you know? great little highlight that i want to ask one follow-up on so when you you have a marketing background right you know you you do it for a living but when you started marketing for Okayist Hunter, the Shopify, the, the product shipment, you started pushing ads. Did you see a, a profit on that investment in a short enough time period 
that would build confidence in someone that's thinking about starting paid advertising for their brand. And they're like, I just don't know if it's going to pay off. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do it long enough to see the return before I run out of cash. What's your, let's the quick take there. Um, that's a, yeah, it's a dense question. Uh, so we didn't start running ads till, I don't know, uh, June this year or something. And most hunting brands don't run ads until hunting season. They take the off season off. You can look at, you can, there's some research you can do on Google to see all these, you know, footprints and it's most of them just scale way back or off completely in the off season. I agree with that to a certain degree. I think producing organic, uh, is helpful, but like we, we had all of our sales coming through organic like crazy. Uh, and it wasn't until we started doing Facebook ads, we did them poorly. We could never get our retargeting to work. Um, I don't know what the deal was with it. And then we brought on some help to just, advise us and, and have us look at our ad setup and uh they got in there and tinkered and, and refined some things to lead some ads we had going and then eventually they're working like really 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 good uh up until august 1st when facebook restricted our page and we are no longer running any facebook ads because we can't until they review our claim which they still have not done so then we shifted budget to tiktok and uh tiktok is a little bit more expensive but it is it, it does sustain like we're we can we can make money on those ads so the return on ad spend the ROAS is there um creative on tiktok is challenging it, it's really hard to get creative to function and i would say we'll we'll run an ad for up to three days and if and if after three days it is not do, like paying for itself we kill it and then we try another creative it's usually like day one does like crap day two maybe you get a couple days by day three you'll know if that ad's going to work and at that point, you're either going to dump more into it or kill it. And that's what we do. So when we find ads at work, we double up, we, we double the spend and we pump it out. Um, and then it, and it performs and it's got a life cycle. The more you dollars you put into an ad that has good creative, the faster it's going to burn. And so like, even though it's good, the life cycle, the lifespan of that ad is going to be accelerated like doggy years if you put more money behind it, but you're going to get your juice out of it. Um, so the brands that are spending a lot of money on, on ads, they're burning through creative very, very fast. We are not at that level of burn rate for creative. We get a little bit more life cycle. Like, I think we're still running an ad, me wearing a sweatshirt in this room, uh, from like last winter <laughs> or something like that, that we tried out. And it, that happens to be like a good one. It says like, you know, our hats are, these are our hats everyone wants and they're selling out or whatever. And that one, that one kind of works. So we have like some of our, um, ads that are just like tried and true. That we'll just turn on from time to time while we're testing out new creative to keep the kind of like momentum going. But we get a lot from organic. So it's and, and a lot from email. Our email open rates are 40% um, on average. Um, they'll dip down maybe 35, they'll kick up to like 45, but in the mean, they're 40, they're 40%. And it it's like every email that goes out, we do one a week on Wednesdays. Well, we sell on emails. So that platform has paid for itself. Like we have an email blast list of 2000 that has built since. I think it was like 400 in March and now it's at 2000. Um, so we put a 40% offer on our website for 40% off stickers. If you give us your email address and that's how we've grown that list. Um, and it's been a great, a great list. And it's also built up the podcast where people listen to the podcast, go to the web. Like it's just, everything works together in concert. Uh, and even when someone buys a product, it'll say like, Hey, while well, you're waiting for your, for us to pack up your, your stuff, um, head on over to the podcast and listen to some, some, some fresh episodes. So like we're pumping every single thing through every single thing, if that makes any sense. Yeah, building the spider web, everything's connected and it's you know centered. Mm -hmm. That's great. I w that's my goal. That's my vision. You know, you got one more partner than I have, and so it, you know, 
got the day job, got the nine to five, trying to do all this stuff on the side and, you know, trying to, I'm trying to get my efficiency on the podcast and the clips and the scheduling to post social medias caught up. I just kind of finally figured out that process. And now I have probably 200 clips that I need to load up into the calendar for the next couple months and get that really in a maintenance phase where I record this episode. I take 20 clips out of it. I get those scheduled and I'm done. Now to the next thing because I got to do stuff like I got to get my pixel still uploaded and figured out my pixel on my website's not doing anything right now. You know, I got to figure out the marketing. I want to reevaluate my customer service side of the bit. There's so many things to do as an entrepreneur. You, you, so many things. Just making beard oils and talking to people is like, the, like you said, it's the tip of the iceberg. Everything yeah. else goes on yeah. in the back and it's hard to pick, you know, what am I going to work on next? Well, this needs to get done and that needs to get done and I got to go do over here and I got to do this and just pick one, finish it the best you can, then move on. Hundred percent, man. Yep, it's a, it's a, it's a grind, and it's a one that you gotta love. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll get burnt out. Yeah, it sounds like the through the conversation, what I've what I've maybe pulled from your story is that you really picked the path you wanted to be on, not the destination you wanted to get to. Yeah, I'll just rock this path all day long. Maybe I'll never get to the destination, but I'm happy doing it. Like I like I said, I'm right where I want to be to some degree. Like I, I want to be a little bit further and so forth, but I'm a pig in mud, man. I'm I'm loving it. Yeah, you might not know where the destination is. It's hard to pick a destination, but it's not that hard to pick a path. Like if you love doing what you're doing, you'd, who knows where it could go? Probably way it's farther. Than, yeah. yeah it took, I'm 36, you know. I've I started doing this when I was in college. Uh, when I was like 20, whatever it was, I can't do math. Don't make me do math ever. But, uh, you know, 2013 is when I started where to hunt. Um, so like that was the starting point for me, where to hunt was the starting point 2013. And probably the idea was 2012. And then like kicking everything off was 2013. So like, I was in my twenties because you've just you know? now given me a goal. So you're 36, 2013 is nine years ago. It means you're 27. I'm 27. I've been thinking about go. this for about and a year. You're way out of me. And I'm still not where I want to be. Like, I'm like, how am I not an entrepreneur full time yet? Like, what am I doing wrong? So I, I, I have, uh, you know, demons just like everyone else. I have, uh, you know, uh, imposter syndrome and, uh, you know, those voices in your head that you know, talk you out of things and tell you you suck at it and so forth. And then you get people that tell you that kind of stuff in general. And it, it you just got to keep marching, man. Just keep, just keep going. Every, uh, yeah, that's a good, have. that's a good topic. The good mention. Everyone feels like that. I feel like it all the time. Imposter syndrome you know, why, you know, should I be even starting a business or running a business? And then should I even start a podcast? There's all kinds of other podcasts out there. You know, Tony Robbins has a podcast. So what am I going to teach people about business that Tony Robbins couldn't teach them? Well, not all hunters listen to Tony Robbins. Not People sometimes just want to hear the same exact thing from somebody closer to their space. They want to hear it from someone that's a hunter that knows what it's like to balance a family and a business and a tree stand. Yeah, and the tree stand. That's good. That's good. So awesome. Cool. Well, I appreciate your time here, Eric. Um, hopefully you have some good adventures out in the woods coming up. The rut is probably going to start firing up here in the next week or so. So I'm excited for that. Excited to watch you grow and do all the cool things that you're, that you're chasing, that you're doing over there at base layer media and the okayest hunter. And I probably won't see as much of your endeavors at gunpowder, but if I do, I'll support them. Sounds good. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for being here, folks.